A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. What's up? Welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. Walter Stroll alongside Scott Searles. He is a financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you throughout Greater Cleveland and office in Bradenton, Florida. We're online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com for past episodes and more great information. Scott, ready for another great show today? What's going on in your world? I'm always looking forward to it. You know what? I'm just getting ready for uh, waiting every day for spring to start showing up in full force and uh, so I can get out there in shorts and Start enjoying the uh, spring and summer weather. Oh, fantastic. I'm really glad to hear that. And uh, are you getting ready for lacrosse season to start kicking up? Is that coming? Oh, no. We're, we're, we're in the midst of it. Matter of oh, fact, already? it started okay. at the end of February. Oh, nice. Yeah. That, it was, it's brutally cold. And, um, you know, it's, you're dodging snowflakes and playing lacrosse. So, yeah, it started, it started nice. early. I am uh, actually going to a lacrosse tournament this weekend. Um, my, my little cousin, she, uh, transferred colleges, uh, from Florida to Appalachian state. Mm -hmm. And, um, so she's going to be playing in a tournament, playing a whole bunch of other schools nearby, uh, where we live. And so her whole family's kind of come down and see her play and stay at our place. And my folks are going to come up and see her place. We're gonna have a household full of folks rooting for her playing in their big, uh, their big tournament. She's, she's on the club team. At right the, uh, at the university, and so they do these big two day tournaments where everybody plays like two two or three games in one day and that's uh, awesome should be fun, yeah now have you ever seen a women's lacrosse game i've I've broadcasted a couple of women's lacrosse games oh you did yes uh not a not a ton, but a handful back when I was doing sports broadcasting so well you know i mean they're they're uh, lacrosse is just fun it's like soccer com- combined with hockey with- yeah basketball there were a few more rules in the women's game that i was that i definitely had to get up to speed on compared to the men's game yeah you know what they don't let them hit and there's definitely so they have more rules to protect the girls yeah there's like that uh, starting distance run-up rule or something like that i forget the details. yeah shooting space shooting space space. yeah Yeah. so some of those things to get used to but fun sport active fast Love hearing the sound of like the sticks clashing, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you can kind of see the long plays developing up the up the field when you know a turnover happens and the counterattack goes on. That's kind of always fun to watch. So one of my daughters who plays defense in college, it, it was funny. We, we were at a game earlier this year, and she uh, she intercepted a pass right into the edge of the defensive zone, and she ran it into the offensive zone. But we weren't offsides because all the girls were back. And she almost had a straightaway shot to the goal. And I'm yelling, get your goal, get your goal, because she's a defender, right? She never has a chance to shoot and get goals. And uh, she decided to bail on it and not, not, not go in. And I was like, oh, man, that would have been awesome. Oh, <laughs> it's man. It's fun, though. Yeah, that is fun. That is really cool. So I'm looking forward to it. And it sounds like you're in the midst of it already, which is great. Mm-hmm. Well, on today's show, we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. We've got a good mailbag question a little bit later on from Harvey. Harvey's um, flying for an airline and so has some questions about pensions and buyouts and things like that. Can't wait for that. We're going to talk about what it's like to be really cold and our memories of the coldest we've ever been. And uh, to start off today's show, we're going to talk about things that we can't predict. 
There are certain things in life, Scott, no matter how hard we might want to try, we just can't predict them. And if we knew the answers to some of these questions, well, at least in a retirement planning world, boy, it would make that job a lot easier. So I want to see what are those questions, and then how can we go about constructing a plan that addresses some very key issues that we just can't possibly know the answers to? Right. It's like like putting together the puzzle blind and, you know, like where do you even begin uh, if you don't know what the puzzle is supposed to look like or it's missing right. pieces? How do you put this all together? All right. So first one, a lot of people may have this on their minds right now. Uh, when is the next stock market crash going to happen? You know, it's funny with this topic, and I know I've mentioned this before, but in my conference room, I have a crystal ball and it has an out order sign on it. Actually, when we moved the office, I'd lost the out order sign, but oh, no. in theory okay. it does. I got to got to get another one. But that just adds to the story. Uh, right. Know. Exactly. But uh yeah, so it doesn't work because there are things in financial planning. I, you know, there's no 100% in financial planning because there are always are things that we can't predict and we don't know. So like stock market crash, right? So you you know, you bring that up as the first one. And that's always everybody always you know, mentions that. And I can pull out charts and, and, you know, show you, hey, you know, you know, on average, there's several dips every year, you know, 10% or so, this is normal, and blah, 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 blah. But if you are right coming up to retirement and the stock market crashes, it very well could change your whole plan. So what that boils down to then is, is working to get a plan to deal with the stock market crashes is simply developing the investment strategy that's going to provide you with good, consistent income without having to take risk from the portion of your portfolio that's generating the income, and then take the risk in the portfolio that you're not going to touch later on down the road. So an example would be, you know, I had a client in here not too long ago. We actually, in cash alternatives, kept several years of income in cash alternatives. Now they don't earn a whole lot, you know, not, you know, better than the banks, but not certainly like, you know, equities and stocks do. But we are utilizing that bucket to generate income for her for the next 2 years. So if there's a stock market crash today or tomorrow, it's not going to affect her income and it's not going to affect her lifestyle. So if that once that market eventually comes back, well then we'll replenish the income so that we're not pulling when the market's down and it's not going to affect your retirement. So that's just one way that you can help to, to do that. And portfolio construction you know, helps a lot too, trying to minimize your, your volatility while you're in your, your retirement years so that, yeah, if the stock market does crash, everybody will be infected and everything's going to go down. But if you have your portfolio structure properly, you're going to minimize those risks and you're not going to really be too focused on it because that's not going to be for money you're going to use for several years down the road. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a really tough thing to, to, you know, you want to hold on to that. You want to know really badly when that next crash is going to happen, but we need to plan for the fact that we can't answer that question. Same goes for this next one, Scott. What will mm-hmm. healthcare costs look like in 20 years? Yeah, obviously another unknown. And you know, some of these things you're never going to be nailed down exactly the right number. But when we create a plan, what we do is we calculate healthcare costs separately. So I want to know what you need for a for just to live on. Forget about paying for healthcare or forget about paying for insurance premiums or supplements or advantage plans or prescription costs. Just tell me what you need to live on. 
then what we do is we use national average numbers for all those types of things. And, and we can certainly, if you have, would have specific numbers, we could use those. But then we run it up at a higher rate of inflation than what the normal economy is. So we might run that up at 5 or 6% every year for those healthcare costs. We also, also factor in what your, your premiums are going to be. You know, let's say it's three hundred fifty dollars a month for a supplement plan, and then and then you're gonna we're gonna inflate that up. Then we're gonna throw in out of pocket and copays, and we're so we're gonna include all that together and then run it up for inflation to give us the best estimate on what you're going to need by inflation. I feel pretty confident that in a lot of cases we're overshooting the number, which I'd rather overshoot than undershoot, because then if we've got you know, if, if we come up short of that number, hey, I'd rather be more conservative and have more money than not enough. Another great perspective, I think, there, Scott. Um, we at least kind of have an idea of where that one's going, unlike the stock market crash. Although I guess they're similar. Like we know there will be another crash. We don't right. know when. We know healthcare right. costs will be higher than they are today, most likely, but we just don't know how much um, and, and what our need will be for some of those kinds of things. So definitely big questions. Mm -hmm. I guess this next one fits right in line. Uh, we can't really answer the question of what will your tax rate be three presidents from now? Well, it's hard enough to predict what your tax rates are going to be six months from now as That's opposed true. to yeah. you know three presidents from now. But one thing I will tell you is that when you look at all the economic data, the amount of the debt, the amount of money that we're spending, there is a good solid case that you can make that tax rates are going to be going up in the future. So what we do is when we develop a plan, we already know that at the end of, this, of 2025 that the existing tax rules, if they're not changed by Congress between now and then, are going to sunset and rates are going to go back up previous to, to our last tax, tax cuts that, that were done. So we know in 2026 tax rates are going up. So we use that as kind of the baseline. So we work on the increased taxes. But then, you know, what I like to do is then run, run another increase in tax rates of let's just say 10% that your taxes increase 10% several years after that, because I do think they're going to go up. And the other thing too, that can help to alleviate this issue is making sure you have got a good diversified portfolio of different types of tax-structured accounts. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. But in other words, that you've got the right balance between taxable accounts, in other words, like bank accounts and brokerage accounts that you pay taxes on every year via 1099s. Um, also, that you've got you know, money in tax-free assets, and then taxable, tax deferred, like your IRAs, 401ks. So then if tax rates start to go up, you can shift where you're starting to take your money from because every dollar you take out of an IRA is going to be 100% taxed. But if you take money out of the Roth, it's not going to be taxed. Or if you use money that's in, in your brokerage account that's in a regular taxable account, you're already paying taxes on just your interest and dividends and some capital gains that you may have. So if you've got a diversified portfolio of several different types of tax-structured accounts, that can help to alleviate some of the uncertainty that with tax rates going forward. And then when you build the amount of income that you're going to need, in, have an increase in tax rates later on, not only that January of 2026, but then increase it later on down the road also. 
Perfect, Scott. Thank you for that perspective. Uh, tax is such a big part of the conversation. Great examples there as to why that is, but also how hard it is to predict how these things are going to play out, both on a macro level and just as individuals, too. All right, last but not least, and this one has implications beyond just financial planning, um, an interesting question to consider. I'm sure we've all thought about this at some point, and there's been movies that have sort of talked about this thing. If you if you knew when you were going to die, if you knew how long you were going to live, if we could answer that question, boy, that'd be pretty helpful, but um, it's just not reality, is it? Yeah, this may be the biggest uncertainty out there. I don't, I don't know how many times I've had clients come in here and, and you know, they wish they could bounce the last check on the way out the door, right? They want to spend all their money on their last day. Uh, but obviously, we don't know. You know I, I always you know, joke around that you, know, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow or you could live to be 100. I mean, we just don't know that. So when it comes to doing financial planning, you always want to err on the side that you're going to live to 100, at least age 90, unless you really have some, some specific family history or that you're sick yourself that would change that outlook. But you'd re- you, you don't want to say, I'm going to live to 80 and you live to be 90 and you have no money. So you always want to assume that you're going to live as long as you can and make and structure your plan like that. Because that also affects different things like long-term care and life insurance. And you know I always like this plan that we're going to be living longer because again, if we're wrong, I'd rather have more money than not enough. Love it. Uh, Again, great comparisons between these different things. Big moving parts in the financial plan, stock market crashes, healthcare costs, tax rates, how long you're going to live. All these variables have massive impacts on the success of a plan, and yet we can't predict any of them. Yet we still have to find a way to build a plan around them. And that's where uh, following a process and years of knowledge come into equation in helping people successfully do this thing of planning for retirement. So if you want to talk to Scott about what that looks like in a little bit more detail, how his planning process might be able to benefit you as well, feel free to reach out. You're more than welcome to 888-742-0111, or go to talktoscott.com and schedule your time to meet via smartphone or computer. Talktoscott.com, and we'll link to those resources in the description of today's show. It's getting to know you time. All right, time to get to know Scott a little bit better on today's show, and uh, it's a good one. Uh, I'm looking forward to maybe a story here from you, Scott. I'm curious, what is the coldest you've ever been? Coldest I've ever been, huh? Well, anybody that has ever seen women's lacrosse games in February, they can get quite cold. I had so a I feeling would, that's where we were going to go with this. Yes. Y- yes. So we're talking 25 degrees with a wind chill in the single to 10 degree kind of area, right? So super cold. You're bundled up. And that is by far the coldest I've ever been. And the one time I we were traveling to a game, I forgot my boots. So I had tennis shoes. And you know, it's like the running shoes, right? Where there's like fabric on them. Yeah. And, um, and, and little holes in there for airflow. Yes. And I forgot my hat. So I did have a hoodie though. So I was able to cover my head. And anybody that's seen me, a haircut like me, you got to cover your head, okay? So, I mean, that was by far the coldest that I've ever been. I would stand up and walk around and 
And yeah, that that's brutal. Definitely women's lacrosse games and not being dressed properly. Yeah. And the dressed properly is a key point there because I've been in negative 15 degree weather before, but that's not the coldest I've ever been because I was dressed properly. Also wasn't out right. in it for very long. Um, but the coldest I've ever been most definitely was at a, an outdoor hockey game at the Yankee Stadium. The New Jersey Devils were playing the uh, New York Rangers and it was, I think, 19 degrees, which doesn't mm-hmm. sound that cold, I guess. Um, but it was windy because it's like New York in the winter and mm-hmm. it was a windy day. And you're ele- we were in the second level or the upper level of Yankee Stadium. And it was we were perfectly positioned where the wind was just whipping right across us. And my dad and I tried our hardest. Now, we actually flew into New York. It was a really fun day. We flew into New York in the morning for the afternoon game and then actually flew back that night. Um, so it was a, it was a one day trip in and out of New York, which was really cool. But we were kind of there all day already without really a whole lot to do indoors because we flew in, we took the train into the city and like we got breakfast at a Starbucks somewhere, but we were walking around the city most of the day. So we were already cold by the time we walked to the stadium and I'll never forget eating this extremely hot, uh, huge slice of New York pizza outside the stadium with it being mm-hmm. so cold and this thing just burning our mouths because <laughs> we were so desperate for something warm. We went to take a bite of this thing and it burned the roof of both of our mouths. It was so cold when we got hot chocolate in the stadium. By the time we got back to our seats, it was cold. And they were, they were in such high demand that then they sold out of hot chocolate before the end of the first period and there was like a riot over the hot chocolate. But I've never, my legs were just, the tops of my legs is where it got the coldest. Mm-hmm. And like the jeans, the way the, the air just kind of went right through our jeans. And we had on two, two layers of pants. I mean, it was just, we shivered the entire game. And the crazy thing was we were in the sun for most of it. But mm-hmm. even that didn't overcome the wind chill and just not being quite truly dressed for it. So it just really, really sunk into your bones. And that was the coldest we've ever been. When, yeah, we, yeah. when we got on the bus to go to the airport... Uh, to, when we got out of the stadium, the bus was so warm. We both fell asleep immediately on the bus. <laughs> well, we know, almost missed the stop to the airport. It's that wind. That wind will kill you. It will. It will. The wind chill is brutal, no doubt about it. So oh, now I got to go get a cup of coffee when we're done recording and heat back up. I'm feeling yeah, cold really. just talking about it. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on so we're not so cold. We've got a really good listener question to answer today. Let's get to it. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Harvey has our question this week, and Harvey says, The airline that I fly for is eliminating some of our pensions and giving us a buyout instead. I'm not being forced to retire, but now I won't be increasing my pension by working more years. Do you think I should just go ahead and retire, and what should I do with the pension buyout? Well, you know what, Harvey? This is a common situation that we see, and you know what? There is a lot of different variables that you need to consider, Harvey, when when you're thinking about this. Number one, do you have enough to be able to retire? So you need to meet with somebody, walk through that financial planning process and kind of see where you stand. Okay. That's number one. So you have to, I always say knowledge is power. So you need to know exactly where you stand at this point in time. And then you need to say, okay, if I do retire now and I take that buyout of the pension, you know, you have to invest that money. It needs to be able to grow. And if Yables needs to be able to provide you with a consistent income f- stream for you to be comfortable to replace what that pension would be. 
Now, the good news is if you invest that money and it's invested properly, you're going to get growth and you're going to be able to get raises, kind of like a cost of living increase in your pension. And that may very well outweigh any increases you would have gotten in that pension by working longer. And the, the other thing to consider, too, is do you want to retire? I mean, are you just retiring because you feel financially it doesn't make sense? You might want to consider, you know, like I said before, lifestyle changes. I mean, are you comfortable with it? Do you feel that you want to retire? And to be honest with you, too, Harvey, I don't even know how old you are. So <laughs> there's a lot of different variables to go to play in here. But I would tell you that uh, you, you definitely should you know, meet with somebody and kind of know where you're at right now then I think you'll be able to more easily answer that question. Yeah, big time. And it's a, it's a great question, but it kind of goes right back to what we were talking about, right? The things that we can't predict. There's like a lot of things in Harvey's question here that's kind of the same feeling to it, like things we don't know. Uh, maybe some of these we can predict, but things we don't know, and therefore all these variables need to be taken into account and, and talked through. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's I don't want to make too many assumptions either. Right, right. Um, yeah, because you'll get cold if that happens, right? When we make too many That's right. or something like that. Uh, no, <laughs> it's, good try, Walter. Good yeah, try. Good try. Uh, great question, Harvey. Thanks for sending that one into us. It just underscores if you want to plan for retirement, you want to do it the right way and do it properly. You know, it, you, you can't really just type in a few numbers into an online calculator and get a good solid answer. You got to have something that adjusts for all of these variables, the things that we don't know and can't predict that can work in multiple different environments. And that takes a little bit of planning, a little bit of effort, but you can have an advisor to help walk you through that process using their years of experience guiding others through it who came before you. If you'd like to tap into that kind of guidance and advice with Scott and the team, call 888-742-0111 and set up your free consultation. 888-742-0111 or go to talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. It's that easy. Scott, appreciate the help on the show today. This was a fun one, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again next time. Walter, I enjoy every moment I am doing my podcast. Uh, Love it, and we love having you. So thank you, Scott. And we'll talk to everybody next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Thanks for listening. Go Cavs. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.